everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fairy Conclave. I'm your host, Alec. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, this is episode 80, and I'm super excited for this one because uh, my guest today I've been a huge fan of for a really long time. It's Tomer. How are you doing today, Tomer? Hey, thanks for having me on, Alec. I'm really excited to talk about magic stuff. Yes, yeah, I... Uh, I'm I'm a little nervous, not gonna lie. I've been reading your articles and um, watching Commander Clash and uh, just reading all of your stuff on MTG Goldfish for many years now. I feel like um, your budget decks, which is kind of the thing you're known for, is really good budget decks. Have they were what carried me through being able to play Commander in college when I didn't have enough money to pay for a soul ring at the time. So, um, mm. yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Uh, yeah, budget commander stuff is kind of like my point of pride. I really like making budget brews, and I appreciate hearing that it actually helps people out because when I was also in college and I didn't have a lot of money, um, that's kind of how I played commander as well. Like, I just yeah built like a 20 dollar pile with like draft chaff and stuff like that so yes i'm glad i'm glad it, it helps people out yeah it definitely does i've i was thinking about it this morning i've gone through this kind of like arc where back then i was definitely building super budget kind of as cheap as i could go and then after i graduated and kind of got a job i was like oh wow i can afford to get you know five dollar cards now like we can we can get up <laughs> yeah. there um, and I started building more expensive decks, and then now that I've built, I'm at like 20, 20-ish commander decks at this point. Um, it, built in paper, I'm I'm kind of back to like, I really don't want to buy like a sixth Shockland for this deck, a sixth copy of whatever <laughs> Shockland this is. Yeah. So I've kind of like, I've come full circle back around to, to budget um, again, which, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a fun, funny journey that... It's always relevant to know how to build on a budget. Yeah, I'm much the same with my own paper decks. Like I have about three decks that I bling out and everything because they're mm. my babies that I've had for many, many years. Um, yeah. But then whenever I want to build a new paper deck, I always be like, all right, I'm going to use whatever I have. And then I'll add, like I'll put a, a budget on myself of like $20. You know, I'll have whatever cards yeah. that I have laying around and I'll add $20 worth of it and I'll see what it is. And if they become my babies over many years, then maybe I'll bring them out as well. But um, that's like a really easy way to approach building new decks. Like you don't have to commit that much at the beginning and see if you actually really, really like it. Um, and then if yeah. you want to bling it out, you can always bling it out later. Yeah, it's true. I think it just makes so much sense to at least play a few games with the like the bare bones version of the deck to see if you really like it. And then... Yeah, kind of move up from there. I definitely, for a while, I would I would spend um, a little too much money and then realize that I maybe wasn't <laughs> the biggest fan of the play style or the way the commander worked or something like that and end up taking it apart. So, yeah, yeah. it just makes more sense to do it that way. And, yeah, so, I mean, I, I did kind of like a little brief intro to the content you do, but could you just introduce yourself and maybe some of the things I missed? Uh, sure. Well, my name is Tomer. Pronouns he, him. Um, I've been writing about Magic the Gathering for over a decade now, which is a little bit weird to say. Congratulations. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, I started writing about Popper, and then when Commander came out, 
Um, I switched almost exclusively to commander content and I focused primarily on budget commander stuff when I was doing deck techs and whatnot, but it has evolved to basically me running my own YouTube channel, uh, MTG Goldfish Commander. I'm a full-time employee of uh, MTG Goldfish. I run their commander channel exclusively and every single week I have uh, a podcast, Commander Clash podcast and Commander Clash, which is a gameplay series. It goes up every single week and sprinkled in between those two videos are shorts and deck techs and daily spoiler videos or preview videos as they're coming out or whatever else I feel like uh, making a video about. So that's basically my nine to five. Um, and I'm just, I don't know, really, really excited about Commander at all times, basically. So having having a blast. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. Um, that yeah that you've been doing it for this long and i do think if anyone out there if you haven't watched the commander clash gameplay it's when we when i did a shout out for mtg goldfish um i can't remember which episode it was at, at some point i did a community spotlight on you and uh, one of the things i liked is that you play your gameplay on magic online which hmm. is pretty unique but it adds kind of a lot of functionality that um like tabletop games don't have uh, like every single week each of you can build a totally new deck and it's uh, y like your um, restrictions and things like that that you work with uh, are just I think they're easier to set up on MTGO so yeah I've, yeah I've really enjoyed that series and if anyone out there is like building a commander deck it's there's probably a commander clash episode that includes that commander at some point um, yeah so definitely go check that out if you haven't already. It's one of my favorites. I always watch the new episodes as they come out. Thank you. Yeah, I think the the entire the entire premise of the the show is basically building a new deck every single week, mm. and Magic Online is honestly the only way you could do that because unless you're like Commander versus and you can have whatever cards you want at any given time, Magic Online is just an easy way to just like pick up whatever the cards we want for free at any given time, and also. Uh, I, I, I am shilling a little bit for Magic Online because it, it does get a bad rap because, you know, the interface is, is ancient. It's, it's older than most <laughs> Magic players, I guess. Um, but it is a great way to play Commander because you can essentially build fully functional uh, Commander decks for a fraction of the cost online. And there's actually a bunch of different services, a bunch of different vendors online that give you a free loan account. So the one that we use yeah. is Card Hoarder. It's sponsored by us. But there's a couple other vendors as well that do the same thing, where they're going to give you a loan balance of, say, five tickets, which is the online currency. And cards that are, you know, ten, $10 or even reserveless cards that are like $500, they can be found online for like 0 0.01 tickets. So you can build fully functional commander decks online and give them a whirl for free, as long as you have your own... Uh, Magic Online account, and uh, it, not only is it a great way to just you know try out a variety of decks, but it's also a great way to playtest decks too. You'd be like, oh, I, I really wanted to try out uh, this Volrath deck. Well, you can try it out for free on Magic Online. You know, you could give it a shot and be like, oh, actually, I don't really like this Volrath deck too much. <laughs> I'm not gonna. So it saves you some money that way, or um, if you just want to just try out some different things, Magic Online is is really good for that. But um, that's kind of 
uh, off topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just I just <laughs> no. like Magic Online. <laughs> yeah, I I totally agree. I do think it it gets um, maybe a little more hate than it deserves just based on the looks. But truly, as as a budget player, if you can get your um, your play group on board as well, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's such a great way to build lots of different decks. Um, and yeah, and the, the interface, it like it functions. You can. Um, like Magic Arena might be really pretty, but it, it doesn't even have multiplayer um, or commander. So, yeah, Magic Online is is a fantastic option. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. One day, one day we'll get a Magic Arena commander thing, and all will be well in the world. But for now, um, yeah. Magic Online's there. <laughs> Wizards doesn't want you to play it. Magic Online is there, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> yeah. It's there. Yeah, for a while um, in 2020, my playgroup switched to uh, Cockatrice, which, um, mm. I, you know, it, it kind of works. Uh, it de- well, it definitely works, but you, you have to know all the rules and, and pay attention to everything yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't actually, like, progress through the phases of the game and actually, like, enforce the rules upon you like Magic Online does, which um, I noticed definitely was needed sometimes <laughs> playing on yeah on um formats like cockatrice but and uh, if you can stomach cockatrice's uh interface then mm-hmm. magic online will be a breath of fresh air because it's marginally nicer looking <laughs> yes that's exactly <laughs> it yeah <laughs> and every all the rules are automated for you which... yeah yeah i love it um yeah definitely i i feel like uh magic online is great and um and it's also easy to watch. Like I, I, I like watching um, the gameplay. It's nice to see like what's in your hand um, for c- kind of whoever's playing um, and recording the game. And mm. uh, yeah, I enjoy it a lot. I also like your podcast. Not to get too deep into it, but <laughs> um, just uh, the kind of topics you you pick pretty hot topics usually. Um, like I think the last episode I watched was about the color blue and. Um, ways to maybe make it feel less salty, which I, I really oh, enjoyed yeah. that episode. So, yeah, things things like that I think are really nice to talk about, and I, I like your podcast that gets into them. Thank you. Yeah, it, it seems like our podcast is even more popular than our gameplay, which kind of blew me away when we started oh. doing it because it's relatively... So it's a year old now, so it's relatively recent compared to Commander Clash, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad the reception was so good because we were yeah. we were not expecting the numbers we were getting at uh, on the onset. So yeah. nice. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love to hear that. Um, okay. Oh, I almost missed it. But let's do our community spotlight for this episode. That's where we take a moment to shout out another content creator in the community um, that we've been enjoying. And I always I let the guest uh, do a community spotlight if they want to and Tomer wanted to do one on quintessential commander which I love I've talked about them before and I am happy to talk about them again because I do think their channel is so good like it's so well done and the quality is so high that they definitely deserve um, to be talked about again but yeah Tomer would you like to give a little shout out to them yeah so in terms of uh, other commander channels that I end up watching I like watching game nights. I like watching MTG Mudsta. They're they're on the higher end of you know viewership and everything though. Um, one one channel though that I, I feel deserves like at least double, triple, quadruple the reviews that they're getting right now is Quintessential Commander. It's a Commander gameplay series 
Um, there is usually like three people who show up fairly regularly and then one fourth person who kind of rotates out in between. Um, just a great bunch of people, really good vibes. They're usually showcasing, um, sometimes they're showcasing like the newest set of commanders, but then they also have their old favorites that they're bringing back from time to time. Um, so good variety. And also the editing is really, really good. If you like the, you know, uh, higher ends level of editing, like in game nights, this is not quite game nights level, but it's definitely of head and shoulders above most other, uh, commander channels. And the fact that they're, they're doing it with a much smaller team and they're doing it almost like weekly now, I think they're trying yeah. to go for like weekly or two, um, that it's a crazy pace and, uh, you know, you, you, it shows how, how, how much quality is, is seeping out. So. Uh, shout out to them. I think I think they're doing a great job. Yes, I totally agree. And if I remember correctly, I think they're on. Uh, it's like Games Haven is the YouTube mm -hmm. channel, and then Quintessential Commander is the uh, like playlist or series of videos on that channel. So either way, I'll have a link to that um, down in the episode description below or the video description if you're on YouTube. So. Definitely check it out. Oh, and also all of Tomer's links that we just talked about a little a little while ago will be there too. And you should definitely check those out. But I think it's time we get into the Commander Deck interview that we're doing today, which I'm super excited for because I remember reading your I I bet it was probably your first article on this deck um, a, a long time ago when it kind of when you first had the idea for this and I thought it was such a clever idea for a commander deck and I'd never thought about anything like this before and um, and yeah I just remember reading about it and thinking it was really cool and I'm excited to talk about how it's progressed and I love to see that you're still playing it to this day um, and I know it's made at least a couple appearances on commander clash is that right yeah it's it's my favorite deck um, it's my tribal tribal deck Yes, I'm so excited. Okay, yeah, let's kick things off. So my first question is, who is your commander for this deck and what inspired you to build it in the first place? So my current commander is the Ur-Dragon. It's a five color Wooburg commander, nine drop. Um, and it has a powerful eminence ability that makes dragon spells cost one less to cast. And also when it's on the battlefield, whenever one or more dragons you control attack, you draw that many cards and you may put a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. Um, this is picked basically for two reasons. First, it enables five color, and I want to have a five color uh, changing tribal commander so I can have all the options. And secondly, the eminence ability is really powerful because changelings are kind of like just a smidge over cost that I would say. Like yeah. paying two mana for a one one changeling is not super exciting, but when you're paying one mana for a one one changeling, they become actually pretty cool, and it enables uh, a lot of the much needed speed for this deck to kind of start functioning and, and doing really cool things. Um, and what inspired it was I was really I really loved the idea of morph on the balance when it was first previewed. I think three and a half years ago now, or three three or so years ago now. Um, and I built a Devoid Tribal deck around Morphon first, a five-color, mm. colorless deck. And then I was like, well, it is a Changeling. Why don't I just try making a Changeling Tribal deck? Um, and I loved that so much that I built a paper version of it. And then over the years, I slowly moved it towards the Ur-Dragon and just kept 
you know, tuning it and everything over time. The reason I love it so much is it's just such a clever idea to have like this base of creatures that are changelings so they're all creature types and then um whatever kind of like other synergies you want to include in there you can which is really cool because magic since the beginning has had like creatures that care about other creatures of their same type um and so there are hundreds of different effects to to choose from that can like affect your whole board um, when they're all changelings. So yeah, I think it's really cool just as a concept. I love it. Yeah. And, and the thing about magic also is that there's so many tribes out there. There's obviously the really popular ones like zombie tribal or ninja tribal or stuff like that. But there's a lot of like weird underdeveloped tribes that don't really have a home. And it's kind of a shame because maybe in a 90 in a, in like a 60 card deck, you could have four copies of your tribal payoff card um and it can function but in 99 card singleton having like uh, one or two griffin tribal cards uh <laughs> is not really that interesting to build an entire deck around so um the deck can really take advantage of these one-off tribal stuff like um for example there's knight exemplar which gives other knight creatures you control plus one plus one and indestructible and knight tribal for a long time at least didn't really have that much payoff like eldrain had a little bit but um, yeah, I get to run that here and it's very good. Or yeah. Griffin Canyon gets to untap uh, Griffin and give it plus one plus one until end of turn. Griffins again, don't really have that much uh, support in Commander, but the card is very good. And now I can jam it here as well because you know my changelings are every single type at any given time. So any weird obscure tribal support card can find a home in tribal tribal. It's really fun just to scroll through this deck list because th it, with no context, it would make no sense. Like <laughs> you've, you've got ancient, even just the lands, ancient amphitheater is a hilarious card that uh, comes in untapped if you reveal a giant in your hand. Um, I love to see Swarm Yard. That's a, a favorite of mine and in the same deck as ancient amphitheater. I don't know. Yeah, it's just scrolling through the deck is so fun because just like you said all these obscure like payoff cards for these creature types that uh, are maybe don't get as much love um yeah it's just it's really cool i love love to see it and um yeah i'm excited to get into it so you mentioned that and i remember um that morophon was the original commander when you first kind of uh wrote the article about this deck um what has changed since then and what else has the deck gone through in the last three years um, well, the heart of the deck kind of remains the same. Um, Morphon used to be the commander just because, you know, it's a changeling uh, itself. So thematically, it fits the most. However, I did find that the deck is kind of slow. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the changelings are a little bit overcosted. Um, so I ended up switching to the Ur-Dragon and it worked just way better. And Morphon's still one of the best cards in the deck, but it just works a lot better in the 99. Um, from, from my own experience. Um, but the goal of the deck is, remains the same. Um, I built a lot of different variations of tribal tribal because you could literally just pick any type of style of tribal tribal you want. You could focus on like combat, you can focus on tapping and untapping, you can focus on sacrifice, life gain, whatever, because it's literally any tribe. So any, whatever any tribes are good at, you can make that your focus. Uh, but my favorite has always been the combat-focused version of it. I just mm. gravitate towards 
combat in Commander, I guess. And so the meat and potatoes of this deck is basically play a bunch of changelings, play a bunch of uh, tribal lords that focus on uh, attacking and attack until your opponents are dead. Um, so not, not much change in terms of that. It's just as we keep getting more and more cards, um, there's more and more tribal synergies that I get to add in. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I tweak and tune to make it a little bit more powerful, more explosive over time. Yeah, I think I think it's really cool. It's just I love to see Tovalar and Yuriko and <laughs> yeah, these these creatures that are huge in their their like specific creature type they're normally in um, for doing combat stuff. And then, yeah, putting them in with all these changelings so that they can still do the thing. And it seems really cool. Um I also have to shout out Liliana's Contract, a favorite of mine. I'm a big fan of demons, so love the idea mm-hmm. of having like four of these weird-looking little changeling like shapeshifter things posing as demons for that. Is yeah, is I've, really I've won a game off that before, where if you have four more on your upkeep, four more demons of different names on your upkeep, you win the game. Um, yeah, I, I pulled that off uh, one time, and it felt really good. <laughs> I love that card. It's so funny. So for the Ur-Dragon, how often do you actually cast it? Um, it seems like mainly you can kind of just leave it in the command zone. But um, yeah, do you ever actually need to cast it and have a 10-10 out on the field? Um, I would say maybe half the games I actually end up casting okay. the Ur-Dragon because it is really expensive. It's nine mana. Um, so most often, I would say like every single, most games will actually have the Ur-Dragon making a, a short appearance. And that's mostly because I have, uh, what's it called? Hellkite Courser, which is oh. a six mana dragon. It costs five with Ur Dragon. And it lets you put the Ur Dragon onto the battlefield and give it haste. And then at the end of turn, you put it back into the command zone. So generally speaking, I'll get like the Courser out, get Ur Dragon on for the big beats, hit somebody for 10. But then I also get to draw a bunch of cards and I also get to put a permanent on the battlefield. So that's yeah. worth it. And then outside of that, yeah, nine mana is a lot. Um, so I really need like one of my mana dorks that can generate a ton of mana. Like uh, I have Heron Blade Elite and Harabaz Druid and Catilda and Gemhide Sliver. And there's a, there's a few. There's a few that like yeah. generate can generate a lot of mana. And if I if I get those on the battlefield and a bunch of changelings, then I can get the Ur Dragon out. But that's like half the games. Like that's if I'm in in a really good position, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. That's um, more than I expected, but it, it totally makes sense with Hellkite Corsair. And also just the Dragon having a really cool uh, like attack, attacking-related effect, I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to have it as um, this kind of top end for everything else going on. Yeah, it's the, the fact that it's the eminence, you get it all the time, though, is what really makes the deck tick. Like, mm. you never have to cast a Dragon. You will always just be casting basically all your changelings for one less and that makes all the difference it means like you can be aggressive and curve out really well nice yeah cool and so one thing i noticed i remember this deck was you first built it before call time um and so i bet i'm betting call time had some pretty significant changes to it just because it uh was kind of the first time in a long time we had seen changelings um new changeling cards so mm-hmm. yeah, is that the case? Is there anything uh, yeah notable from Kaldheim that you added at the t- at that time? 
Yeah, there was a couple of really good pickups. Um, I like the changelings that um, are on the lower end, like things that I can play for one or two mana, like Mass mm. Vandal's really, really good. It basically play for one mana, and then you can exile a creature when you when it enters the battlefield to uh, exile an artifact or enchantment. But like the two biggest ones, I would say, the World Tree is really nice because it just adds a lot of easy fixing for the the land base. Um, but the biggest one has to be Masquid Nexus. Uh, Masquid Nexus, four mana artifact, creatures you control are every creature type. The same is true for creature spells you control and creature cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. And you can pay three and tap it to create a 2-2 shapeshifter. I've never activated its ability. It's just the fact that it's <laughs> a four mana. All your creatures are all creature types anywhere yeah. they are in the game. Um, allows for really crazy shenanigans because it turns all your tribal support cards, which are generally just not changelings or just some other thing. You made them all into changelings, so they all benefit from each other. And that allows you to just, yeah, go crazy yeah. and win the game, essentially. Um <laughs> So yeah, that's that's the best pickup for sure is the Mask of Nexus. But there's a lot of Pal Time cards that have popped up into the deck. Nice, yeah, I can I can see how Mask of Nexus is like gotta be S tier in this strategy. That's really yeah. cool. Um, okay, yeah. So th- thank you for introducing us to the deck. My next question about it is just, <laughs> what do you like most about playing it? Um. So I. I get bored easily of decks. I think that's why I like mm. I, I brew constantly. Like uh, gimmick decks are great, but they're really good for Commander Clash in terms of like a, an outlet, a creative outlet for them. I, I love brewing gimmick decks, but then once I do like play a gimmick deck like once or twice, um, my desire to play continue playing it um, goes down very quickly. So my paper yeah. decks, um, I like having having a lot of variety, a lot of various win conditions not just like a linear aim to assemble this specific combo every single time not no shade to people who, who enjoy that it's just for me i like every single game i pick up i see a different aspect of the deck and and a different experience from the deck every single time um and so tribal tribal is kind of like the definitive variety deck for me because outside of the changelings like everything else can change at any given time. Like, yes, you want some changelings, but what tribal support cards you want to run? There's like 500 tribal support cards and every single set adds like another five to it. So you can just mix and match however you want. And I have this giant sideboard of basically just test cards that, uh, you know, I want to try out Miram this week, or I want to try out, there was a one Assassin Lord that was also really sweet that came out in Capenna that I think I have in the sideboard as well. And it's just like every single time I play the, the, the deck, I can swap out like four or five cards just to test out different things or have a different experience. So the variety is probably the thing I love the most about it. And also the fact that people always like seem to have a good reaction to it because they see a lot of obscure cards and like, oh, <laughs> that uh, what, what's going on? Like, So the fact that people enjoy playing against it also makes me really happy nice yeah i love that a lot i think um that was definitely my reaction the first time i saw this deck and even just like scrolling through the deck list um everyone's kind of got a favorite creature type lord type Mm -hmm. of card uh and seeing it pop up in a deck like this is really exciting 
So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm also kind of similar in, in the brewing type of thing. I'm always just kind of brewing like weird little decks and I'll probably never build, but I just love working on that. So mm-hmm. uh, the thing that I kind of look for to keep a deck around and like actually build it is if new sets come out, we'll have the opportunity to like introduce cool new cards to at least look at trying in the deck. And yeah, yeah. to breathe new life into it. Exactly, yeah, kind of keep it fresh if I feel like updating it. And Mm. just like you said, yeah, every set will have at least a few cards that care about some kind of creature thing uh, and that you'll want to, yeah, take a look at and see if they belong in this deck or if you want to test them out. That's, yeah, I like that a lot. That's really cool. Yeah, every single time a new set comes out, my Twitter feed will have people (laughs) notifying me like, hey, is this for Tribal Tribal? Is this for Tribal Tribal? Like... (laughs) Which is great. Like that's, I love it. It makes me, it makes me excited for every single set because I know some of those cards will be in my playtest list at the very least. Yeah, yeah. I it's one of those decks I bet where you wish you could put two hundred cards into it, but oh, for sure, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we kind of talked a little bit earlier about how this deck is. Uh, mainly centered around combat damage and attacking in order to win the game. Um, are there any other goals of the deck that you that you'd like to shout out, or anything um, anything else there that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, the deck can do meaner things too. Like I have Reaper mm. King, for example, in the deck that whenever a Scarecrow enters the battlefield, you can destroy target permanent. So if combat is not an option, I can just basically get to a point where I'm I'm putting out so many changelings every single turn that I could wipe people's not only their their board states but you could also wipe out their lands too if it comes to that so combat usually will will get there like if people are I don't know has like a a fog lock or something uh, Reaper King can basically get through basically any board state eventually um and there is some some infinite damage combos and infinite exile combos and infinite toughness reducer combos with uh hakan stronghold scourge um and then a bunch of changeling a, a bunch of changing spells and a bunch of ways to cast those spells for free so for example uh, uh hakan says you can cast knight spells from your graveyard and there's some tribal instants and sorceries that have the changeling type so they are technically knights even though they're not knight creatures so like crib swap says remove target creature from the game and their someone puts a one one uh, shapeshifter token with changeling into play so if you have hakan on the battlefield and you have crib swap in the graveyard or in your hand and you have a way of casting crib swap for free which there's a couple of different ways of doing it some are with mirror rejury some are with morphon um whatever you combo you assemble to cast it for free uh, you can exile your opponent's creatures. Um, you can do the same thing by killing all their creatures with Nameless Inversion. And you can also make all your creatures infinitely uh, large power with Blades of Vellus Veil. So if you attack with wow. just one unblocked creature, you can pump its power arbitrarily large to kill them. So if you can get three creatures on three opponents, they all die. So there's there's additional ways to just kind of close out games if, if the game is going long enough and uh, you can just combo off and win. That is really cool. I've got to say, I don't think I've heard of any of those combos outside of this <laughs> deck's context in my life. 
<laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's very specific to uh, a changeling deck for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 just so fun to talk about, like Priest of Titania getting uh, untapped by Marrow Regery, and then it's yeah, it's, yeah, there's just so much. It's yeah, very cool, very cool. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'm into it. I think it it is um, uh, occasionally a combat focused deck will get stopped by some kind of lock or even just a ghostly prison or something like that. So yeah. I'm I'm a fan of having some combos that help you at least uh, get through the damage or get rid of the things you need to. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because combat is is a it, it's an easily easily countered. Uh, strategy in Commander, just because you can. There's so many interaction points with it. You can either just destroy the creatures, or you can just prevent the combat from happening. Um, yeah. So, having ways to get around whatever those common uh, pieces are is is important. That's why Reaper King. Well, I mean, I've never actually gotten to a point where I've blown up um, like everybody's lands or something, but I will <laughs> blow up like a glacial chasm with it or something, I, preventing yeah. me from dealing damage. I was just about to say, if there is a glacial chasm out, that is a land I think deserves getting blown up by the scarecrow. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> nice. Okay, I love it. Um, and then, kind of on the other side of that, uh, what are some of the deck's weaknesses that you've run into while you've played it? Um, so the first weakness that I had with the deck when I first built it was it was very inconsistent because I had either too many changelings or too few changelings. Um, mm. I've kind of fixed that over time. I found like a, a ratio that kind of works for me. Um, so that doesn't happen too often. However, that's just kind of the name of the game. Like the changelings themselves are really not good. They're, they're not really <laughs> good creatures by themselves. They really need like tribal lords to, to be decent. So if you have too many changelings and not enough tribal lords, then you have just a bunch of weak changelings. If you have a lot of tribal lords, but you don't have any changelings. And again, you're running into the same issue. So it's inconsistent, but that's kind of by design. And then it is just a combat deck. So anything that um, beats combat decks uh, will be a weakness to it. Like if you just wipe the board every single turn, uh, it's going to be very difficult for me to do anything. And then also since it's a five color deck and I run like, I think I run maybe one base. No, I don't even run. I didn't even run a single base. Like I don't even respect <laughs> non-basic land. So if you put like a, a blood moon on me or something like that, you, mm. you got me. <laughs> you do ruination. That's 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 fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I accept. I accept this risk. That makes sense. Um, so have we kind of like reached the point now where there are enough changelings out there to um, to have that base? Like you're able to select. Um, at least a few and, and not have to play the worst ones. Oh, for sure. We've, we've okay. been past that before cow time, I think. Like, okay. I found in my experiences uh, the changelings that can be cast for one mana are the best. So I focus on just like one mana changelings or two mana changelings that have one colorless pip in them that can be reduced to, to one by, um, by the Ur Dragon. And basically anything like over anything over four mana i don't run anymore and there's a lot so yeah um if you wanted like a slower changing deck you could definitely swap out some of the the slower or the the cheaper ones for the more expensive ones that have cooler abilities but um i i aim for 
just keeping them low to the ground. So there's a lot of variety there. Yeah, that makes sense. I Sometimes a concern when you're building an obscure creature type base deck, which this one isn't really, um, considering it has a lot of ways to like, um, yeah, to, to get the creatures you need. But yeah, building like oozes, I definitely was playing mm-hmm. some some oozes that I would have preferred not to. Um, but yeah. I think we've yeah just about reached the point where at least for them I'm I can be a little more selective. So yeah, that's that's good that you can uh, that you can do that for this deck too. Yeah, thankfully Changing got love. I think in three sets now it was Lorwyn Block, uh, Modern Horizons, and mm. then finally Cal Time. And between those three. Uh, there's more enough. Like you could, cool. I think there's like at least like thirty-five-ish changelings or something like that. Last time I looked, so uh, more than enough to fill fill a changeling deck. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I also like how you you understand the kind of like balance and how it can be inconsistent um, if it doesn't. Yeah, if you don't kind of draw the cards in the right order. But mm-hmm. th- that is okay with you. That's like by design, and you're uh, you're totally fine um, being a little slow in a few games. Yeah, I think that's important, and you don't want to be going like zero to sixty every single time. At least, kind of yeah. in in your meta, it seems like it's pretty similar to mine in kind of the speed of games. So yeah, I like that a yeah. lot. I, I like the inconsistency. Like there's there's an alternative way of building tribal tribal, where you run like General Tazri as your commander. Which lets mm. you, when it enters the battlefield, it gets a search library for a uh, ally card to put into your hand. And what I've seen from that list is you basically just one you run one one changeling, just mirror entity, which can turn oh. all of your creatures into <laughs> changelings. So you cast Tazri, and you don't, and then you get mirror entity, and then you turn all your creatures into changelings, and you usually just kind of win the game off like a sacrifice loop or something like that, which mm. is fine, but then it would run into the issue of being too linear. Like I would always be doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to avoid with my paper deck. So I focus on, no, I'm actually going to be running like 20, 20 changelings. And <laughs> if it, if it blows up in my face, if I don't have the right draw, then that's fine. Like, but I like, I like just drawing random changelings. That's part of the fun for me. Gotcha. Yeah. I like that. Kind of like we were talking about earlier, there's a gimmick version of this deck that, yeah, it does a different thing, but is maybe not as uh, varied as this one would be. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, okay, so are there any notable cards in this deck, which I bet there are a lot of these, um, that fill the generic roles of the deck, like card draw or um, mana ramp or removal, but that are more like spicy and specific to this deck? Yeah, so I tried to take out all the generic stuff. There's like one mm. or two cards that I might still cut. Like there's an Arcane Signet that's pretty generic. Um, Curse of Opulence, I guess you could argue, is kind of generic. It's not focused on the theme, but it's focused on attacking, and I just like that card a lot. But for the most part, like all of the cards are tribal-focused, and they're trying to stay thematic. Like for mana generation, Harabaz Druid... Uh, taps for one mana of any color equal to the number of allies you control. And that's really wow. strong. Yeah. Priest of Titania does the same thing, except for elves. Uh, Malcolm and Magda make treasures whenever... Magda is whenever you tap a, a dwarf, or a, a dwarf becomes tapped, and Malcolm is whenever you deal combat damage to players, so you're making a bunch of stuff like that. You can turn your changeling into actual just mana dirks with uh, Katilda and, like, Gemhide Sliver. So for ramp, like, it's all... 
it's all just like weird yeah. tribal cards <laughs> that are very strong. Like they're, they're super strong, but they're very like one-offy. And then for like card draw, you mentioned like Tovalar and Eureka for combat damage. Um, there's also like Unesh Sphinx Sovereign, which is whenever an, another Sphinx enters the battlefield, you have a mini factor fiction effect. Um, it also makes your Sphinx spells cost two less to cast. Um, so that's super that's fun. That's cool, yeah. There's like Tiamat where you cast it, you get five dragon cards into your hand, which is very good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think my one of my favorite gimmick decks is, cards is probably like uh, Widespread Brutality. It's a four mana uh, Rakdos spell that says amass two. Then the army you amass deals uh, damage equal to its power to each non-army creature. And, so cool. Uh, since all the changelings are armies, you pick your highest power one. And then it will deal. It will get boosted by two counters, and you deal that much damage to each non-army creature. So all your changing survive, and then you just kill all your opponent's creatures for four mana, which is very funny <laughs> to me. So yeah, there's just like a lot of just weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny that that question was, I guess, a bit loaded. Usually people only have a few um, cards for for that, but it's basically the whole deck in this case. <laughs> yeah, I would just list out my entire deck, and I'd yeah. probably like ignore like Entomb, is kind of meh, and like Arcane Signet Curse of, of Opulence. Those are the big ones. Oh, oh, actually, my favorite one, Peer Pressure. One more. I don't want to ramble too much, but one more Peer Pressure or Mana Sorcery choose uh, creature type. If you control more creatures of that type than any other player, you can control of all creatures of that type. So Whoa. if you have a bunch of changing on the battlefield and somebody has like a wizard you like, you'll just be like, I want that wizard. <laughs> or you could turn, you could also like turn your opponent's creatures into the type that you want to take. Like there's like two dragons on the board, but you want to take a third. You turn that into a changeling with like a me boy changeling. And then you steal all three of them with, with uh, peer pressure. <laughs> so it does, there's, there's silly things. I don't know. <laughs> peer pressure that yeah that's a card i've never seen before and i think that is so hilarious yeah there's a lot of head scratchers uh which work to the deck's advantage i guess because people are be like you, you show them the cards and you let them read it but like it's still the first time they're gonna be playing with this card so yeah you got the advantage of that too yeah yeah i can see why it would be so fun to play against this deck because you just you have no idea what to expect like what yeah. even just as we've been talking, I've already learned so much. Like, I looked at the deck list, but just talking about it, I've learned so much. And I, like, peer pressure, what is going on? I love it. <laughs> the last question should have been, are there any notable generic cards? It would have been a smaller list. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so for the next one, it might also be pretty long. But do you have any pet cards that you just can't resist playing in this deck? Um. So there's one card that I would say would be on the chopping block if I was trying to optimize the deck and that's spell setter sprite. Mm. Um, I think we might have we might have a connection here that fairies are actually my favorite tribe. Ooh, um, I love it. Spell setter sprite is like my favorite card in magic. I used to play it a lot in Popper when I played Popper a lot. Um and it's good in one versus one because the one one flying body is actually kind of relevant. Not so much yeah. in Commander, and there's a lot of times where, like, I have Spellsider Sprite in my hand, and the spell that I want to counter is, like, five mana, and I only have, like, three changelings on the battlefield. Mm. Um, and I kind of, it's a bit of a feel bad, but, like, every single time I get to cast it and get somebody with it, it feels really good. 
and I have the card in foil. It's like one of my favorite magic arts too. I have like yeah. art prints in my office as well. Um, so that one makes me super happy, even if it's not the strongest card. That's awesome. Yeah, I I feel similar. I definitely force Fairy Conclave into every deck I can. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bitter Blossom is one of my favorite fairy cards as well. I'll always play a Bitter Blossom if I am yeah. in black. And yeah, so I'm I'm fully on board with Spell Stutter Sprite. That is, um, yeah. You, you know, there's sometimes where just a flash flying chump blocker is not a bad thing to have so yeah, yeah. it's not awful it's it's <laughs> done work but yeah it's sometimes sometimes like if i want to, to optimize that it would go but it's never leaving the deck it's too, cool too fun. yeah too that's fun. What... Just like you put in the fairy conclave like maybe maybe another land would be better but you yeah. gotta rep what you like that's kind of have the fun of commander Exactly. Yeah, that's the reason why I love having a few pet cards in every deck, no matter what's going on. It's just if if you draw it and smile or like get some nostalgia, um, then it's worth it. Like it should be in there. Mm -hmm. So cool. Awesome. I love that. And then kind of on the other side of things, what is the MVP card of the deck? Do you think that just the most synergistic card that will help win the game when you need to? So... It's probably Hakan Stromgald Scourge. Um, you can only play it. It's a knight. Uh, you can only play it from your graveyard. Um, and then when it is on the battlefield, you can uh, cast knights cards from your graveyard. So it enables cool. a lot of those infinite combos I mentioned earlier. Um, and it's also just good recursion. Like all your changelings yeah. are knights in general. So if you get, do get board wiped, um, you can just get Hakan back on the battlefield and then start re redeploying from the graveyard. And there's at least one other knight tribal card in the deck, Knight Exemplar, which makes your other knights get plus one, plus one, and indestructible. So Ooh. you could, like, redeploy your changelings, and then you could drop a knight on the battlefield, and if the knight dies, you can recast it too. So I think here, uh, Hakan is probably, like, the biggest thing, though I think a lot of people know that Hakan <laughs> is, is the biggest thing in my deck. So anytime I'm, like, I reveal Hakan and I put him in my graveyard, people were, like, red alert. <laughs> time to deal with this uh, which i mean is totally warranted like you should get rid of Hakan if you can um but yeah that is like the the sneaky way i i usually uh close out games i like it so is Hakan your usual entomb target for that reason yeah i'm running uh, i'm running into specifically for Hakan. although cool. these days probably i'll just take out entomb at some point just because I, I don't remember the last time you I get to actually pull it off. People are, are very uh, in the know <laughs> on, on how, how serious a con is as a, as a threat. So maybe I don't rush it as much. Makes sense. Makes sense. Especially in your usual Commander Clash group. I bet they see that coming from a mile away these days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah my regular play groups, like paper play groups, they all know. <laughs> they all know Hakan's a, a problem child, and he is. I love it. Yeah, Hakan, I bet, also kind of goes off. I mean, I, a lot of things in this deck go off with Ma Maskwood Nexus, but Hakan specifically, oh, yeah. like, now your graveyard is literally your second hand. Yeah, just any changeling, any any creature, anything is just being recast over and over again. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. Cool. Okay, so um, my next question, which uh, you've 
played this deck for a really long time. You've, I know you've played tons of games with this deck. Um, what is one of your like memorable or favorite in-game moments you've had while playing it? Um, I've had a lot of really, really good games with, with this deck, uh, but one that popped to mind that was just so silly was I did a Commander Quickie, which is like an abridged gameplay video, um, mm. and I had Rebel and Ben Makes Proxies and uh, Casual Jake on for that game. And I remember there was a point where both Rebel and Ben were trying to deal with my board state. So they were teaming up using sorceries and then a very convoluted stack of instants to deal with my <laughs> creatures. Like they tried to blow up, they tried to wipe the board, but they also had to uh, deal with Knight Exemplar or else all my creatures would survive. So they had mm. like an answer for the Knight Exemplar to destroy it at instant speed. And I had like a shape sharer, though I turned into another copy of the Knight Exemplar. And they're like, <laughs> okay, so we're going to try and uh, kill the new shape sharer too, the new Knight Exemplar. And I needed more mana, so I turned one of my mana dorks, I think it was Harabaz Druid, into uh, Changeling with my B Boy Changeling. And I untapped it with the Griffin Canyon so I could tap it again for even more mana and do more things. And shape sharer, shape sharer allows you to turn any of your Changeling into any other Changeling. I turn another changeling into another copy of Knight Exemplar, <laughs> so all of them will live. And it was just like it was just like wow. a mess. It was just like a hell. And we were just like laughing the entire time. We we're like, "How is this? What is going on? What are these cards? What what's what is any of this nonsense?" And it's like it was just very funny. I still lost the game, but it was just very just hilarious turn of events. Like everybody's just piling on the instance and the instant speed answers yeah. and stuff. That's such a good story. It's I always get excited when the stack gets a few like a couple instants and a few effects deep and I can imagine especially with how strange a lot of these cards are that you just mentioned just yeah the the weirdest stack you've ever seen and then <laughs> like what is what's going on here? That's yeah, really it was fun. Just utterly bizarre. It didn't like win the game or anything, but it was just very funny. <laughs> And yeah, it was it was just like a cool moment. It was like a jigsaw puzzle to to solve, you know, like yeah. I was like, Oh, I can do this and then I do this and I get this mediocre benefit here and ah, it's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the changelings, they're all coming together. I love it. Yeah. yeah. That is really fun. Okay. I I it's this has gone by so fast for my brain, it doesn't make sense, but we've reached the last question, which is um, yeah, what what advice would you give to other people who are looking to build a, a similar deck to this if they're interested in it from this episode or, um, yeah, just want to know kind of how to get started? What would your advice be to them? Um, I wrote a primer on, so shameless plug, I wrote a primer uh, detailing exhaustively like all the different tribal support cards I could find. I updated it for Caldheim, so it's like a year old now. Um, cool. But it still has a lot of options. Like, there's so many tribal cards out there. And it was ha half the difficulty was just researching the darn thing because it's really difficult yeah. to, like, scry scryfall search tribal cards. Like, centaurs, right. you control get stuff. Like, how do you find that unless you're typing up centaur? So it was, it was, it was a long, long process. But uh, hopefully that will help people uh, build their own decks. And then I would say that because you're dealing with all tribes, obviously the card pool that you're working with is hundreds, thousands of cards to sift through. And that's very overwhelming. And that's going to be really difficult to make a deck. So 
So the way to narrow the deck is focus on a archetype that you like. Like I focused on on um, combat, but I've seen sacrifice versions of the deck. I've seen tap untap tribal. I had a version of that before actually. Um, I've had I've seen life gain um, version of the deck. So just pick an archetype that you want to focus on and narrow down your search based on that. So you just look for tribal lords that care about tapping and untapping, or if you're doing that, or sacrifice if you're doing that, or combat if you're doing like this like this version of the deck does. Um, and that will let you narrow search and, and find, you know, the the right amount of cards instead of being like mm-hmm. a three hundred card pile, you'll actually have like hundred and ten and you'll just cut from there. Nice. Yeah, if I so I'll link to your primer article um in the episode description. If I remember correctly, you had compiled like quite a few lists in there of kind of um cards people would want to look for if they go these different directions am i remembering that correctly yeah yeah i had like a section for ramp and these are all like the tribal support cards that deal with mana advantage and then i had like card advantage these are all the tribal support cards that deal with card advantage recursion protection removal basically every single aspect of a deck that you want to cover i try to sort them by that and um even then like i probably miss a couple tribal cards here and there and then also just like between cal time and now there's been like a billion new sets so yeah i'm sure there's <laughs> it still needs an update um but it's a good start it's a good start uh yeah. to to help you out like if you're looking for more ramp cards and you want to be on theme yeah that'll be there yeah i really like that i like the way you um you write your articles to have it's not just like one deck list at the end it's it has suggestions for other things that um that you consider that maybe you'd like other people to consider as well and especially for a deck that is uh, honestly like this complicated it's pretty pretty complicated um yeah it helps a lot to have an article to at least get started on yeah i like giving people like here's a deck list because like not everybody has the time to to brew their own decks like yeah so i want to give people like here's a sample deck list it's good to go it has my seal of approval but then i like if you want to tweak and tune or maybe you don't have the cards in the sample deck list or whatever or maybe you just want to take it a different direction i always like providing just here's here's how i got to the sample deck list here's all the options that might interest you so uh, you can build it yourself you can tweak and tune or you could just pick up a, a sample deck list and go cool yeah, that's awesome. Um, definitely check it out. Also, it's just a good read if you're interested um, in this deck already. So, yeah, check it out. Um, and speaking of shameless plugs, thank you so much for being here. Um, please give us a send off with uh, maybe yeah where where we can find you and what your upcoming uh, content looks like. Uh, sure. Uh, I you can find all my content at mggoldfish.com. And you can find all my videos at NTG Goldfish Commander on YouTube. Um, and that's basically it. There's a new set that's being um, previewed right now. Yep. The Dominator United. So that's taking up all my brain yes. energy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what I'm focusing on right now. But Commander Clash, Commander Podcast, it keeps going uh, regardless of what else is, is being released at a given time. Cool. Yeah, it's it's always a constant 
um, series that I'm happy to see and excited when when an episode releases. So thank you so much for joining me today and talking to me about your commander deck. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm honored to have had somebody who I've you know been been watching your commander content for so long. I'm honored to have you on um, on mine for once. <laughs> Thanks, my pleasure. It was great. It was great talking to you about my favorite deck. So yes. that's always fun for me. Uh, yeah, I love it. Yep, that's why I do it. It's just so much fun. Cool. Okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll also have some links to my other things down below um, in the episode description. So check those out. But um, yeah, I think that's that's gonna be it for today. So I'll wrap things up. Thank you everybody for listening to this episode. And I really appreciate it, and I hope I will hear from you soon. And have a fantastic day. Mm-hmm.